the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Prophecy Zone. My name is Christine White. I thank Phil for letting me fill in for him today. <clears throat> we are going to be talking about the fall of Rome in the end times. Of course, that's an adage that Rome has fallen before, but as we know, there will be a revival of the Roman Empire. Go back to the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, the feet of the statue which was part of the split legs of iron, are also made of iron. So this is a clue there in Daniel that the revised kingdom or the kingdom of the Antichrist will be a revised or a revamped up Roman Empire. How do we know that Babylon in Revelation is actually going to be Rome of today? Um, Yeah. A couple clues in the chapter of Revelation we're going to be working on today that show that it could not be Iraq. Of course, Babylon was a city, a thriving city, um, Nebuchadnezzar city, that was located in Iraq. But there is a clue also in the Gospels that show us, or uh, I'm sorry, not the Gospels, but the uh, New Testament, that show us that Babylon is Rome today, and uh, it's kind of neat because some translations or versions of the Bible already have the word Babylon translated to Rome. So kind of depending on what Bible you have, I believe the King James Version uses the word Babylon, but the Living Bible uses Rome for that word already. Um, Let's go ahead and, and take that verse into consideration here. Um, let's see here. I believe it is located in First Peter 5, verse 13. Um, kind of give a little bit of background of this verse here. Peter is talking about a woman. Now, this is a human. This is a human woman, um, a friend of his that he knew who was living in Rome. He was talking about her. And just kind of uh, alerting the church to, hey, say hello to so-and-so 
who lives in Babylon. And the King James Version, like I said, states the city as Babylon, but you have to go according to the the route that Peter took in his ministry after Christ had ascended. He never was known to have gone, in, gone into Iraq. However, Peter was well known throughout the area of Rome and Asia Minor, of course, which was a part of then, it was a part of the Roman Empire. If Peter was never in the Babylon of Iraq, then what could he have been referring to? And that clue in 1 Peter 5 verse 13 states that he knew of a woman and to say hello or to remember a woman who lives in Rome. So that is a little bit of a clue here, kind of a, a back and forth as to what is why is Babylon referred to as Rome and why is the Rome we know of today going to be the Babylon in Revelation. I think a lot of it has to do with the the whole air of the word Babylon, um, it kind of links to Jezebel. When relating to a woman, you call her a Jezebel, you would consider her no good, uh, one of uh, oh, a de- de- degenerate character, something along the line of a prostitute. Babylon is kind of the same way, just kind of like sin city. Just Babylon just does not have... A, a good air about it or a good characteristic to it when the word is mentioned. So that's kind of our first clue that I want to focus on as we go through the idea of how the Rome of today is going to be the Babylon in Revelation. Another one we have to look at is Revelation 17, verse 9. Now we have talked about why I think that the great harlot will be the Vatican or the Roman Catholic Church. Notice again in Revelation 17, verse 9, this is the verse. This calls for a mind with wisdom. In other words, you got to think about this. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Now, this was a description of the great harlot in Revelation um, 17, verse 9. But if you continue on with Revelation 17, let's see here, it'll be 17, verse 18. There is a clue here where it says, The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So we know that the woman, being a form of religion, is also going to be a great city. And it will rule over the whole earth. So that's kind of taken into consideration here, the Bible stating that Rome will be where everything comes from. Economic, uh, there be your economics, it will be your, oh, the, the, the wealth, the work, the employment, and we are going to see exactly how that occurs now as we go through Revelation chapter 18. I believe chapter 18 here explains the city of Rome and to what it will be like during the tribulation period. Where exactly to place the destruction of Rome, that can be questioned. Um, is it, it must be at the halfway point. Is it a possibility that when the Antichrist 
occupies the temple at the three-and-a-half-year point of the seven-year tribulation period? Is it because he is forced to move out of the Vatican? And he then sets up shop in the temple at that three-and-a-half-year point of the tribulation. That is a possibility. It could be also towards the end as the as uh, the world starts to really deteriorate and he starts to force the worship of himself and does that then occur after that three-and-a-half-year point then that he moves into the city of Jerusalem. So when the destruction of Babylon or Rome happens, it, it could be throughout the latter part, anywhere along that timeline. We have to know here that a great amount of trading and commerce is going to go on here right up to the time of the destruction of Rome. And this shows that parts of the world are going to be doing rather well. Look at Revelation. Let's start with the first verse, Revelation 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. The indication here is not only that this great city is the home of the Antichrist, but it's also going to be where the demons and the evil spirits rest as well. Now, if you don't believe in in, in the demons and um, demonic beings, um, I'm here to tell you that they do exist. And I believe the Bible is clear here that this is where they are going to accumulate or they're going to congregate. They're going to form over here. Every evil is going to come from this city. And it's just going to be one evil place for a believer to be. And we're going to see how that pans out, too, for the believer who is around this area of Babylon. Witchcraft and voodoo will obviously become one of the forms of worship. Um, I would predict with most certainty that there will be no form of Christianity as this city evolves towards the worship of Satan. And remember, the Antichrist will have all the power of Satan as well. What I find difficult to explain, however, is the haunt for birds. Could this mean that the city will be constantly infested or overcrowded by a certain type of bird? Now, which birds are considered unclean or detestable? Um, I find about any kind of bird kind of unique and uh, kind of wonderful in its own way. I think when you say ugly bird, many people would definitely think of the vulture, and that truly is an ugly bird. But there are a number of them here that a Jew or somebody with a Judaism background knows is considered unclean. The answer is given to us in Leviticus 11, verses 13 through 19. Now, here is the list of the birds. All birds of prey. So any bird that eats meat. That includes, of course, the eagle, the owl, the hawk, and so on. Um, Even seagulls. This would follow along that line, too, because seagulls do eat meat. 
Also listed are storks, crows, ravens, uh, herons, and hoopoes. Now, if you're not familiar with what a hoopoe is, I believe that's more of a tropical bird, actually a very beautiful bird. Um, but again, must be obviously a bird of prey, something that will eat other animals. Now, as you can imagine, the vulture and the bat are also included in this. In Revelation 18, verse 3, For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth have committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Okay, we already have the idea of getting drunk from a, from a previous show that we did. Getting drunk here means to be caught up in an euphoria of evil doing, um, like a fray. A fray is when one starts something, a lot of other people follow, regardless as to how they feel about it. They just do it because everybody's doing it. And this is what I feel is what the Bible is describing as the drunk of a maddening wine. It is once somebody starts going with it, everybody participates. Now, adultery, again, in God's eyes, is the worship of something else. So we have here a verse that's also describing a system of commerce, a very affluent and successful one. Now, it seems like that not all the earth is suffering. Now, you've got to keep in mind, too, we've had the, the sounding of the trumpets throughout this time as well. And the earth is going through the riders, the, the red horse, the black horse, famines, earthquakes. All these things are happening on top of this. But yet, wealth and luxury are still being given to the kingdom of the Antichrist. So we know that there must be a flow of wealth to and from this area of the world. If the Catholic Church is the great harlot, and of course Rome sits with the Vatican, is it kind of like the Catholic Church taking on its old self, taking in money for the glory of itself? We all know how beautiful the Catholic churches were during the medieval ages, how they robbed the poor, how they took everybody's money through every little indulgence and through every sin that was committed, that the poorest of the poor still had to pay to get their sins forgiven. Um, I, I feel that the, this same type of idea is going to happen again. Everybody's going to be owing Rome. Is it a possibility, too, that we see the world economics just fall, fall, fall to the point where there is really no one strong currency? Now, we're seeing that today. Look at the fall of the American dollar. I can do a whole show just based on that alone. But... What if it's not just the American dollar? What if it is other currencies? The euro, the European dollar, is also in severe trouble right now. We have a number of countries that are looking at the edge of defaulting on their loans, not to mention that the United States is very close to looking to default on its loans. If this should happen, and I believe that it will, 
all this continual downtrend of the currencies and the world economics points to the fact that when the Antichrist arises, he will proclaim his own monies, set of monies. Will he create his own stock market? Will he have everything flow into the coffers of Rome? And I believe the Bible gives us this hint already that the merchants of the earth will grow rich from her luxuries. Now, not everybody is going to agree with this overindulgence and the abuse of wealth. Now, keep in mind here, too, that if all the wealth flows into Rome, all the building and rebuilding and revamping and remodeling of Rome is also going to be happening. Revelation 18, verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people. Excuse me. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up high to heaven. God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the luxury and glory she has given herself. Here, to me, is a very strong indication that the woman here that is described in Revelation 18 and being the Catholic Church will have believers in it. I cannot stress that enough. There are Catholics who will leave the Catholic Church. Continuing on with after uh, at verse 7, she boasts in her heart, I sit as queen, I am not a widow, I will never mourn. That to me is an indication that a greater number of Catholics will leave the church, and she will say, good riddance to you, I don't need you. That to me shows that she will not cry over the fact that a lot of Catholics will leave not the faith, they will leave the church. There is a difference here. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. That is going to be mentioned more than once here. Mourning and famine, death, she will be consumed by fire, for the mighty Lord God is the one who judges her. Now, these verses hold a lot of information. Um, I think we see definitely the arrogance of the church here, um, the arrogance of the Catholic Church, as many of the Catholics will leave it. Um, I also believe, too, that the Catholics that do leave the church are going to be the ones that are going to be persecuted the most severely. They are going to be considered traitors. Now, look at this from a strong Catholic's point of view. Not only are they forced to leave their church, they have families, they have their groups, they have their um, their whole life wrapped up in the church, and they will leave it as Christ calls them out. So not only do they feel the betrayal of their family and others, they will definitely feel the betrayal of the church, the religion of it. And that's got to hurt for those who have, for those who have to leave. Revelation 18, verse 9. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. 
They will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe, O great city of Babylon, city of power. In one hour your doom has come. Now the destruction of Rome here seems to be accomplished by fire. Some interpret this to be a nuclear bomb because of the length of time that it takes to destroy the entire vicinity. One hour. That is a possibility. However, I also believe that everything that God sends as a judgment will not be by man's hand. A nuclear weapon will be by man's hand. This is done by God's hand. So I will honestly say that I do not think it's a nuclear weapon. I believe this will be a natural disaster. Uh, That can come in a couple of different ways. For example, notice how the businessmen are supposed to stand at a far distance to watch the devastation. Now, some will say, well, that's a nuclear weapon. That will be how the fallout would occur. They would stand a distance away to prevent the fallout of radiation. However, why not have it involve a volcanic eruption? Are there such things in Italy? Yes, there are. Uh, Vesuvius, anybody? Is there a possibility that that wakes up and destroys Rome? Are there other volcanic um, magma pools that lie underneath the city of Rome? That is a possibility. How about a direct hit of an asteroid? Whatever this choice of destruction will be, it will be a complete annihilation of the center of world trade. Now look at what happens to the others who watch this. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones. And man, there is a list here. Everything, horses, carriage, the bodies and the souls of men. Now, the area of Rome will become the world's trading center. The economic meltdown will be in all the countries around the globe. Notice the items mentioned in the text. Most of them are items of luxury, building supplies, bodies of men that would be slaves, workers, employed to create a most beautiful city in the world. And the souls of men are traded. And I believe that this would be the idea here, that in order for you to work or have employment in this greatest endeavor ever, you must have the mark of the beast. You must be in allegiance to the Antichrist. And this is where I believe men will sell their souls in order to have employment. Verse 14, they will say, The fruit you have longed for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor are vanished, never to be recovered. That's an indication that it could be a volcanic eruption or an asteroid. Um, For something never to be recovered, this means it is completely gone. The merchants who sold these things, gained their wealth from her, will stand afar off, terrified at her torment. So they're actually able to watch what is going on. Um, That seems to be more of a volcanic eruption as things just slowly, just, well, not really slowly because it's gone in one hour. Um, as the torment and the torture of her would go on. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet. That 
color scheme has already been shown to us in the description of the great harlot. So now we know that if the Catholic Church dressed in purple and scarlet, um, ever watch Christmas Mass, you will find purple and scarlet in abundance. So obviously this same color pattern is found there as well, glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Not only is the destruction of the city swift, but is complete. Nothing is salvageable. Showing that this disaster that occurs will not allow its citizens or the outside world to rummage or loot in the aftermath. The fruit that you long for is gone may be described in the attitude from the outside. It is like saying, Rome, everything you worked for, Everything you tried to get was for nothing. That indicates to me that the drive to be the most beautiful and the most elegant is going to be a very strong obsession. Again, very much like the olden days of the Roman Catholic Church. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, this is verse 17, the sailors, All who earn their living from the sea will stand afar off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will explain, was there ever a city like this great city? And they will throw dust onto their foreheads and say, whoa, whoa, oh, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she was brought to ruin. Again, the one hour is mentioned. This is the section of the chapter in Revelation that provides the clue that Babylon must be Rome. If Babylon were to be in its original location in Iraq, this scene could not be possible. Look at a map. The Persian Gulf is the only waterway that would accommodate the trade of old Babylon by the way of ships. It is too small of an area considering the number of ships needed or the trade needed to sustain this amount of commerce, let alone the fact that the ships see the city burn from a distance. That cannot happen if the ships all sit in the Gulf of uh, the Persian Gulf. It would be too close. (coughs) However, If you look at a map at the location of Italy, Rome is right on the water's edge. Italy is surrounded by large bodies of water and shipping lanes. Rome will provide a much better location from when this prophecy gets fulfilled. Again, look at the one-hour time frame. It is important. Can we take this literally? I believe that we can. Revelation 18, verse 20, rejoice over her, O who? Heaven. It's the only one that does. Rejoice the saints, apostles, and prophets. There is another clue. Look at who is mentioned here of those who rejoice at her destruction. The saints. Has the Roman Catholic Church got saints or believers? Possibly. But so are the martyrs, and so were the um, the saints could be the current believers at the time too, people who believed in Jesus Christ, the saints. The apostles, that to me is the strong clue here. 
Did Rome persecute the apostles? Most definitely. And it also mentions the prophets. And this could be possibly the new prophets. Don't know if we are considered the prophets. Remember, um, don't know if it's a possibility, but if we have the gift of prophecy as believers, are we considered a prophet of today? That's a possibility. That is a possibility here, or it could be that it meant the old prophets of old. Did they go into Rome? That is not for sure. And that kind of puts the intriguing part as to the city of Iraq being this part. But I think the apostles here are the strong clue. It is payback time now on the behalf of the believers. And that's why they are rejoicing over the fact that Rome now is being destroyed. Verse 21, then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down. Now, this is where someone can say, well, this can be an asteroid then. This is a rock being thrown down. And if it hits the sea, could this then be a tsunami that completely destroys the city of Rome? That is possible as well. The music harpists and musicians, the flute players, this is a city that will be the entertainment capital of the world. This will be the new travel hotspot, a place for weddings, parties, food, the playground of the rich and famous. It seems that all the glitz comes from this city, but it's the blood of the prophets that will destroy her. My name is Christine Wyke. If you wish to catch me, give me a call at 888 888- Six five three nine seven five two, or my email. Explain this at att.net.